we are back for another episode of uh, Badass Women in Business. Maybe one day, and I say this every time, I will get our podcast name correctly because that rebrand is just kicking my ass. So today we have the privilege of having Angie Mazel live from Charleston, South Carolina. Angie, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Question for you, a loaded one. Tell us who you are. If I was in an actual interview, I would probably blow that question. You know, why is that question so hard sometimes? But I am a mom of three. I am a former television journalist and I am a writer. And I say all of those things, especially starting with the former television journalist, because that is how I started my career. It is, I'm... I think like a journalist, you know, I have this training, um, but leaving that career had such a profound impact on me that it really forced me to look back on my life and figure out where I was going with it. So, and in the process of reinventing my career, I discovered that I was a writer. So, and through blogging, you know, I was a, a late adopter to blogging, but I realized that I really loved taking snippets of my life and kind of anytime I had a moment where just like a shift in perspective or something, I would want to tell a story about my day. So that is who I am. I am a writer. I'm a storyteller. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. And I really am here to tell my story so that others can recognize themselves and in my story, sometimes when you tell your story, they recognize their own story and they start to make connections with their own life. And that's really why I'm here. I feel like the subtext to that should be, I am a woman, based on what you just said, because those are, <laughs> I mean, those are such powerful things. I love when our guests start by, I am a mother, because that just like brings so many more colors to the conversation. Many times when I have written, sometimes if I'm really feeling passionate about something, I'm saying, I just believe in my bones that there's no right way to be a woman or a wrong way to be a woman. And that is really a message that I hope I can help people embrace so that they can pave their own way in their womanhood and recognize the gifts and the, the talents and the unique qualities that they bring to the table and their passions and their interests, it's, it's, it's all needed. I love that perspective. Angie, one thing I found really interesting and kind of like reading through your website and how you got to where you are today is you said something that you want to be a catalyst who helps high achieving women release a lifetime of shoulds. Can you go deeper into that and what that really means for you? Because I think that is an epidemic and I'd love to see some kind of ideas around it. If I back up to, I would say my mid to late twenties, my career is starting to take off in television news. And I really think that I am going where I want to be going. And I start to feel myself shift and I start to go, oh wait, I'm not sure if I actually want this. I went several years going against that feeling of something in me is shifting. And probably all that was happening is I was growing, evolving, and changing. But in my mind, I was thinking, oh, 
I shouldn't want this. And for me at that time was, I should want to keep moving from city to city to advance my career. Why am I suddenly feeling like maybe I want to settle down in my hometown of Charleston? I shouldn't want that. And I think we get so many messages and they come from all sorts of directions that cause us to doubt our inner voice. And we just don't feel like we can trust it because we have all these other messages telling us what we should and shouldn't want. So I really feel like the best way to start to dismantle that is to create safe spaces for conversations, you know, and, and that's really what I hope to do through my writing. You know, I write a weekly newsletter on Substack and there's a comment section and I've been pretty lucky that the people who participate are already respectful, but I feel like through writing or even having a podcast like this, where you bring people in and we start talking, it, that's how we do it. But when I just look at my story, the biggest thing that I suddenly realized that allowed me to walk away from a career in the spotlight was that I don't have to be in the spotlight to be loved. I don't have to put myself in these positions to get praise to prove that I'm worthy. And I really want women to untangle those beliefs. We started this podcast originally because of a storytelling issue. We started this this podcast because we were talking to a lot of women who are business owners who feel like they're not special, who feel like what they're doing is not extraordinary, who do not see that little um, you know, piece of gold, the filament of gold that they have in their storyline that would make them attract other people and bring them in on their journey. And so based on what you were saying, I was going to continue on that and ask you how, you know, you've worked in news, uh, you're read it, you've, you've written a book, you, you have all of these abilities to tell a story and how has it helped you in, um, in growing who you are, your career, the ways that you have changed over time? It really was in working the story backwards that I started to get more connected to who I was. Because I'll be honest, when I left television, I really felt like I wanted to become a speaker. I want to motivate people to take leaps of faith and find work they're passionate about. And those are fine messages, um, even like work-life balance, all of those things. And this was years ago when a lot of those things, especially work-life balance, was a huge um, buzz word. And But I always felt like this feels like only part of the message. This feels like only, it, it just felt right, but not quite right. And because I'm a writer and I started trying to tell my story, people who were helping me edit the story and giving me feedback, it was the parts that I was skipping over that I needed to dig into more. So how it really helped me was in digging into the parts of my story that affected me in, in a way that I started to see how I wasn't fully stepping into who I was. Or maybe when I was younger, I was more in touch with myself and you lose that along the way. So 
I really feel like it's important not just to figure out the sad things that happen to us and dig around in there and make ourselves really sad and depressed, but to start to look at how those turning points may have shaped how we defended ourselves moving forward, the things we did to protect ourselves from pain and loss moving forward. So what I feel like conversations do, because they're so connected to story, (laughs) is it helps people peel back those layers of like the facade that we put up. And sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. I think the closer we get to who we are on the inside, it helps us find fulfillment in whatever it is we're doing, whether the work is bringing a lot of recognition or whether you're working silently in the background, because you know that you are contributing, that you are using the unique thing that you bring to the table and you are part of this bigger picture. And that's really what I want for so many women, because we are always struggling for what is enough. You know, how do, how do you measure success? Is it my paycheck? Is it how happy I am at work? Does it have to be all of that? Does my life have to look exactly like yours? Um, I think we have to keep digging in and getting closer and closer to like just being friends with ourselves so that we can answer that for ourselves. And you know it because you feel it. So I want to go back to kind of this journey you took yourself on because you probably didn't land at where you're at today as the storyteller, book writer, those pieces of yourself. What were the different steps and the paths and places along your journey that got you to where you are today? Like every time you hit that place where you're like, ooh, this isn't it and let me go reinvent. My first question is, what gave you the courage to step into something new and then recognize it wasn't it and be willing to take a leap into something different. So in my memoir, Girl in the Spotlight, it is, it's truly a series of turning points and moments that build on each other so that by the time you take that leap, you realize it's not just one thing, but very close to the end of my career when I finally had the courage to walk away. Um, I found myself in therapy and I'm telling the therapist, I think I want to quit my job. And she said, well, if you could be doing anything else, what would you be doing? And I said, I think I would write essays for Skirt Magazine. It was a local magazine. And maybe I would be a personal trainer. But where did that come from? And even when I was writing the book, I wrote the question, where did that come from? And everyone who was reading my story as an early reader was like, well, where did that come from? And I kind of, I just think it came from someplace in me that I'd always exercised and found, maybe as I was connecting with my body, (laughs) I realized that it would make me happier and I would see people at the gym. And so I don't really know. But when I walked out of that therapy appointment, I called one of my former personal trainers. It's a really cool guy (laughs) um, who's a friend of mine. And I said, I really feel like I want to explore this kind of random thing that came up in therapy. And he sat down and met with me and a couple of things. I mean, he talked to me about the business of being a trainer. 
But the biggest thing that happened when we left that coffee meeting was he said, what's your perfect day? And I just looked at him like, what are you even asking me? What, what, what do you mean what's my perfect day? Um, and what I even realized in that moment, I think a perfect day is just having enough freedom in my life that I can meet somebody for coffee if I want to. Like I had been so stressed that, and then he asked me, he told me to get a book called Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> and I did, I ran back in and bought the book Who Moved My Cheese? And there is a question in the book that says, what would you do if you weren't afraid? So I knew immediately, well, if I wasn't afraid, I would walk away from this career. So the first thing I did was I went to that trainer I met. I said, hey, I I read that book you told me to read, and now I'm looking for a job. (laughs) So I worked at the front desk of a gym. You know, I worked at, I, yeah, I worked at the front desk of a gym. And I helped do sales and like sell memberships while I got my personal trainer certification. And I did start submitting essays to that magazine that I seem so interested in. And because I kept putting myself out there, just different opportunities that lined up with my training kept coming up. I've done freelance marketing and PR with another woman. We just wrote press releases and helped people plan public events and opportunities to do commercials have come my way. Um, it, it's it's interesting because it, it never really felt connected. When people say, who are you? What do you do? I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know. It just, it, it felt really, and sometimes you do have to look back and see the through line or just even fill out your LinkedIn profile because we all have to do that. But sometimes when you start to do that, you're like, oh, Look at all the things that I can do, that I have done, that tell a bigger story about who I am. So I have really just been freelancing and keeping a very full schedule for quite a while while I'm writing a book on the side, doing a whole lot of things that didn't make a lot of sense to me in terms of answering that question, who are you, what do you do, until recently, that it all kind of comes together. And I I don't really know what to make of that, except I think we can get really tripped up with trying to define ourselves instead of just letting our life unfold. What you did is you kept yourself open to the journey versus boxing yourself into a certain stereotype or position or career. When you open yourself up to all possibilities, It allows the universe, whatever you want to call it, to start dripping in different ideas, different connections, different opportunities that then clearly allows you to lead to where you are today, right? And if you didn't step in and do the work at the front desk, and if you didn't, you know, be like, I can just do freelancing and piecemeal stuff together, you probably wouldn't be where you are today and as happy and fulfilled. But I will be completely honest when I say I resisted this the whole time. I mean, I could have also been a little bit happier and more free because I think I was trying still to like box myself in, but it's almost like my life wouldn't let me box myself in. And what I realized somewhere along the way, though, I did realize 
what I was doing was tuning into how I felt on the inside. And I started to develop a radar that if an opportunity came my way and it made me feel contracted and kind of tense, um, I learned to pass on those. And what I realized I was doing is I was saying a lot, yes to a lot of things because in the moment I was feeling some sort of spark. And I definitely feel like that it's like a trail of breadcrumbs. And once I stopped taking opportunities because I thought it might, this is huge, because I thought it might keep me relevant. Because I think at the beginning I was doing that. If an opportunity came my way, I'm like, oh, I need to do that because again, it's going to keep me relevant or make me look important. And then I would notice, well, I just feel miserable doing this. You start to tune into yourself and that's it. Follow the breadcrumbs of joy. And if something does spark inside of you, it might be worth exploring. I'm not sure if I all the way subscribe to, if it's a hell yes, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. But I have learned that it needs to be about 85 to 95% of a yes <laughs> for me to do it because I don't think any scenario is perfect. You know, there's always going to be pros and cons to any sort of um, adventure you take on. I love that journey of authenticity. And I had that conversation, that almost that exact conversation yesterday with a client who it, it's so easy when you're in front of somebody and that somebody says, Hey, do you do that too? To say, yeah, yeah, I do. I can do it. And then you finally end up coming out of that meeting or that, you know, that get that get to know uh, period. And you actually take inventory of the resources that it would take you to do whatever you promised that you could do. And you realize it is completely out of your comfort zone, that it will take you more time than it would have taken you to partner with somebody and grow that business in partnership with a business that specializes or a business owner that specializes in that, in that area. Um, and so many women especially do that because they want to remain relevant. So I love it. I love that you took it there. I also want to go back to the piece where you said, be friends with yourself, because I feel that especially, uh, our gender has this habit of being really hard on oneself and, and being overly judgmental of how we look, of how we feel, of being uh, just uncomfortable, uh, most than being comfortable. So that's something that I want to re revisit, but I also want to talk about your book. So you take it wherever you want to take it <laughs> from what I said. But, you know, I think it, it might have even been at the process of writing the book because it, it did sort of teach me to become my own friend in that in my story, I, I just had a lot of loss and things that I, I just think I was a, res children are resilient, right? And I was always sort of the, the child that did the right thing and made the good grades and you know, everybody was proud of me <laughs> um, and that kind of thing. But as when I really started to look at my story and look at these turning points of loss and what was, this is what was key in my story. I started to make a connection between how the loss I was experiencing in my life was really, it kind of came to a head just as I was about a senior in high school and I started thinking about what I was going to do. And I started to notice how I was turning to the spotlight as a way 
to just ease some of the pain, you know, um, just something I was subconsciously doing. And in looking back at the story, I had to look at the little girl that I was and love her and tell her that it was not her fault. She didn't do this. She didn't cause this. And that was at the end of my story. I mean, you never really want to give your book away, but, um, I really realized I was carrying some grief that I had never fully processed. And I started crying for the little girl. You know, I, and that I think is you work on healing yourself. You can't not become friends with yourself because you start to have a lot of compassion for yourself. And, and I've also been lucky that I think I have enough good people in my life, women in my life, who when they catch me using language that is hard on myself. I'm, I'm very hard on myself and I don't even realize it. And I've had enough people in my life go, okay, let's reframe that. Like, you know, is that really exactly what happened? And to the point now that I've had so much practice that I, I catch myself, you know, when I start talking negatively to myself and being too hard on myself. It's like, you might just need a nap, you know? <laughs> God, this is going to be the quote of the Hey, you might just need a nap. <laughs> I'll just say that in my next session, when I, when I feel the feist, I'll be like, you may just need a nap. <laughs> that was brilliant. Thank you. First of all, for being so transparent and vulnerable. I think the more, all of us start showing up as our true selves and sharing. It's not an easy journey or path that you've gone on. Um, you talk about breaking cycles of the past, right? Those cycles could be your own or it could be oriented from the family unit. It could be oriented from your social environment, from your physical environment. Talk to us a little bit more on how you went down the path of exploring the different cycles. Like you just mentioned, when you have really good people around you that know you, they can identify when you're doing it. But what was your trigger to start exploring that? Maybe this isn't mine. Maybe this was just the way I was brought up. Maybe this was just a condition in my environment. What was it that made you start looking at your life in that perspective? I'll start by saying there's always a moment that stands out as a big one, but I do think it was slowly showing me, right? And even after I left my career and even later, it's like I do believe lessons circle back around until you really learn them. So a lot of this stuff kept going back around. But what I really remember is being at a place in my life where I felt finally ready to start a family. And I act, I resisted it for a while because I thought I needed to reach a certain level of success in my career that my husband and I needed to get to a certain place so we could be like, okay, now we're set. But I remember feeling ready and I could almost see myself holding my child that did not yet exist yet. And I knew that I wanted to help that person become whoever they were supposed to become, that I was not going 
to tell them who they needed to be. I, of course, I tell my children that they're great, but I'm not saying you need to take this career path or that, or you're really good at that. You should do that. So it was almost that first step was a decision to not live vicariously through my children. Now, I am their biggest cheerleader and I love like when they're doing something big and I I mean, I applaud them and (laughs) I'm a super supportive mom, but I'm also trying to help them make decisions in the moment of, does this light you up? Does this make you, uh, my daughter was a gymnast and a very competitive dancer, but she loves it. So I'm, we're super supportive of her dancing. And she's 11. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous sometimes, like all the emphasis we put on our children, but she really seems to love it. So we have conversations about what made it, what motivates you to try hard on your own? What makes you that, that little fire? So I think that that is just one thing I've done to break a cycle is to really just try to support my children on their path to becoming whoever they want to be and helping them notice when something lights them up. I mean, that's one thing. And then I think starting to realize how the people pleaser in me just really, I I really felt like I was responsible for everybody's feelings and moods, you know, And, and that takes a lot of work to go, oh, that actually isn't mine. Like you asked that question. I think it takes work to be able to go, wait, that's not me. You know, and I, I, and for, for stuff that's that deep, I highly recommend working with a professional. You know, there's certain things that we have to dig into to try to do it on your own. It, it, it that could be more dangerous than, um, you know, not dealing with it at all. I would absolutely agree with you. Yeah. We support therapy, professionals, all of that, all along the way, um, because you need that support system outside of your family and friends where you can just get really raw, vulnerable, but also be given tools, right? We've all done therapy. I've done therapy. And I always look back and I go, wow, look at all these tools I have now, which gives me the ability to reflect and see things through a different lens. Like I just had my family here for an entire month and I was able to look at them from a lens of compassion where before I would get angry and frustrated and look at them and go, why do you think that way? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. That's their choice. That's their life. That's their journey. And when you can remove yourself from that environment and recognize that you have a choice, That's really what you're talking about. And the thing that I absolutely love is the question, does this light you up? Like if we just even ask that simple question more often in every single thing we do, that is such a great guiding light. That is my advice to anyone. It's just start to recognize those moments like this right now, this, what we're doing right now, this lights me up. But I wouldn't necessarily, just because this lights me up, doesn't necessarily mean that I suddenly have a full schedule of podcast bookings. (laughs) It only means that I notice that this lights me up. So what is happening here? Um, 
and, and what I started to notice is anytime there's connection and conversation and we're digging deeper. Um, and I think when you notice that you're in a moment that lights you up, you start to notice when it, your energy is drained. Oh, I've been with these people and I don't, I just, something is off. And I think we get tripped up because we think we need to do something about that right away. Like, what, am I supposed to break up with that friend? Do I need to quit the job? Do I... Well, I mean, who knows? <laughs> it's just to get to a place that you can even tell. This, this is a yes. This lights me up. This leaves me feeling drained. And I think the more we are tuned in to what is happening to us on the inside, we, we're building our confidence to start making choices that serve us and support us. I love where you're taking this because it goes back to the conversation we just had about being friends with yourself, right? Because if it brings you joy and it lights you up, it brings you also confidence and it's easy. You don't have to work too hard at it. And I think that that's the thing that a lot of people and especially a lot of women forget is the fact that if it brings you joy, it shouldn't be hard. Of course, there is some effort, but there's also the expectations that we're putting on ourselves that if we, if somebody tells you you're supposed to be friends with this person, but there really isn't that connection that, that, that magnetizes you to them, uh, then it takes a lot of effort, but it brings you joy. If it brings you joy, if you're confident about it, it shouldn't be hard. And I want to speak to that part about being easy and hard and, so just launched a book and I have had lots of support and love, but I am a one man show. I am the administrative assistant. I am the marketing person. I am planning my event. I'm doing all kinds of things and I'm learning how, oh, people want to buy books from me too. Uh, I, I've got to set up my website so I can, I'm emailing somebody. It's like, do I have to charge sales tax? You know, and like, oh, I've got this little card reader. I guess I stick it into my phone and it swipes a credit card. Like I'm learning all this stuff in real time. But I love it because I am so committed to offering my book to as many people that, um, you know, is meant to find it. But I don't have work-life balance right now. And I have been really tired. I don't know if you've seen the movie Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> But I was like, I'm starting to feel like the video game characters that are kind of glitching out a little bit. Like, it is like something in my brain is like, I don't know if I'm operating on all the cylinders right now. <laughs> but I think that is worthy work. You know, you're not always going to have a perfectly balanced day. And I've had to tell my family, it's like, I mean, we will you know, it's like the wheels are about to fall off the bus. Just give me like another week or two and I'll try to like <laughs> reestablish some equilibrium. But, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff. So the ease, maybe it's, it's, it's easy even when it's hard and there's ease even when you feel like you're glitching out a little bit. Um, and how do we tell the difference? Like, that's my question. Do you know the answer to that? You know what I'm saying? Like, when you're working way too much, but you're like, but I think it's okay. <laughs> I feel like there should be a group for self-published authors who are also a one-man show anonymous. 
because it, my wife did the same thing. She published a children's book and she was so excited and the book came out and then it's like, oh, holy crap, people need to buy it. So I have to market it. So then we had to set up her website and then figure out what channel would make more sense to her. So it's like, it's uh, more power to you because I feel like this is multiple full-time jobs uh, for one person to carry. Yes. And I, I do think that all the different things that I've done along the way, sometimes when I'm working on something and I would feel like, I don't really know where this is going. I'm one of those people that I kind of like to know where something's going. Um, I'm real fun at the beginning of a dating relationship. (laughs) Where's this going? But I would tell myself, well, look at all the different things you're learning how to do. Like who knows how you'll use this skill later? And when, you know, maybe you're being prepared for something else. And I think that is so important to be open to learning how to do a lot of different things. Just as it's just as important as knowing your zone of genius because sometimes you you know I I do know what I'm truly gifted at and what really comes easily to me that may not come easily to someone else. And I know the difference between I'm gifted in this area and another area where I'm trained in this area. And I I think knowing the difference helps too when you're trying to make a work decision, because sometimes you have to do a little bit of both. With our listeners that are primary women who own their own businesses, who may be sitting at the top feeling really alone you as someone who's doing all the pieces by yourself, where do you find the support to keep yourself going? I have always put a premium on my relationships. So I feel like I definitely get it from my family, my, my husband and my kids. They're at a great age now where they're still at home, but they're not in, they're 17, 14, and 11, where they say, like, I'm proud of you, mom. And I actually didn't realize that their opinion of me mattered that much. I mean, I wanted them to like me, but to see me working hard for something, and they're not saying, wait, you're not paying enough attention to us right now. They're like, wow, we're so proud of you. And And my oldest, he's 17 and he's pretty wise, but he was like, you didn't have to prove anything to us. But like, so this is just like, we're just more proud. I'm like, wow. So, and I think um, I have really good friends and I don't get to spend as much time with people as I like, but, you know, I, I will just say that the support to keep going comes from relationships. It absolutely does. Um, Because I... Even though I'm a healthy person, I exercise, I eat well, um, you know, drink water and all the things you're supposed to do. I will, my self-care is the first thing that I will knock off my list when I start getting too busy. Um, So don't follow my example there. (laughs) But but I think it really is. It's just people. And, and I'll tell you, I really started to notice this during the pandemic that we were feeling so alone. 
I just started to notice um, who was texting me, who who was making the effort to reach out. Now, that doesn't mean I canceled the people who weren't reaching out. What I'm saying is, as busy as I can feel sometimes, I really pay attention to the people in my life who are making an effort, and I make sure to let them know that I appreciate it. I mean, I feel like we don't have as much time as we want to spend with people. And I don't think it's necessarily about spending time. I mean, you can just, to, just to say thank you. You know, I'm thinking of you today. So I would say, hands down, my relationships. That is such an exciting and sad topic as well, because friendships and relationships and connections, they take work, right? So we talked about ease, but I was the same way during COVID and trying to figure out like, who's going to reach out to me without me having to make the effort to reach out first, right? Because a relationship is supposed to be both ways. It's not just one person carrying the burden of that and the other person being like, oh, well, I don't have to worry about her because she always reaches out or he, uh, whichever whichever way you take it. But I find it such a, an interesting topic to, to delve in just because building relationships, I know that uh, Christy and I are... are are very passionate about this because we believe that growth uh, is done through partnership and collaboration, which means that we have to form those relationships with other service providers that are adjacent to us or our own clients or our friends and our personal networks, because it's, it takes a village to succeed. Uh, it, it's not just a you and, and a blip in the universe doing it all by yourself, but um Finding those partnerships, relationships that are two, two-sided is, is, is interesting. Well, and as someone who are used to, I mean, and when I say I used to, I'm talking about high school me. Um, you know, I, I was popular. I, I put a lot, like a, that was a value to me, like where you collect friends. Or if I'm having a party, even now as an adult, I tend to want to invite everybody. And sometimes a group dynamic can get tricky. So what I have learned over the years is that you really only need, like if you think about your inner circle and who truly has earned your trust, does that need to be a whole lot of people? I mean, could could it be just one? I say absolutely. But we need to try to have at least one. <laughs> you know, if we have one or two people that we know are in our corner, I think that that's really all we need. And then the other thing, as you were saying this, I've learned too, that if, if I truly value a relationship, I, tr- I don't play games with people anymore. So sometimes I do feel like, wow, I've texted that person a couple of times. I haven't heard back from them. I don't try to play a game. I'm going to sit this out and see if they notice that I haven't texted them. It's like if I'm thinking about somebody, I reach out to them. And I think when you take that energy out of the relationship, this tit for tat, (laughs) we're keeping score here, the truest people will stay and they'll show up for you. And that's just something I've learned. I don't, I mean, that took a while to learn. So for those of you who don't know, my life is literally a musical. So now in my head, not only am I singing all you need is love, but all I wanted to say, since you said popular, is for me to go, you will be popular. You're gonna be popular. 
Thank you. Musical. Oh my goodness. You are now speaking my love language. This is my love language. I want to just live in a musical. All I mean. Yeah. Well, you should have said that at the beginning. You should have said that at the beginning. I would have told Trey, prepare a soundtrack. We will sing the whole thing out. I do that with my kids sometimes. I'm like, okay, now I feel like I can't do it on the spot, but I sing everything I need them to do. Like it's a Disney song, you know, unload the dishwasher now. <laughs> Please do what I'm saying. I yeah, love I don't that. even know. Yes. So Christy does the rapping section. That's what she does. We can take the show on the road. I'm so excited. I'll, I'll be the producer. Her, her, her backstage name is Christy Minaj and she knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> nope. 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 <laughs> so funny. Thanks Aggie for letting the secret out of the bag. Angie, this has been super enlightening and I'm sure there's many hearts that you will touch on this uh, interview that we've done today, this time we've had to spend together. Um, I like to end on two different things. One, if someone's super inspired by what they've heard here today, how do they find you? And number two, what is one thing that you feel that every single woman, um, that they can take that opportunity to take the next step in the exploration of themselves to figuring out what truly lights them up? Okay, so the first is angiemazelle.com. Two Zs, two Ls, and I'm Angie Mazelle across all platforms. So whatever you like to be on, just search my name, you'll find me. And um, I have an email newsletter, a weekly newsletter on Friday called Hello Friday. And it is a, a way that I engage with my readers. I would say to any woman at any sort of crossroads or turning point, just go through one day and look back on that day or in the moment, pay attention to how certain interactions made you feel. Like tune in to when you feel yourself expand, when you feel yourself contract. And I believe that's the first step to everything. Noticing how you feel in your body when you're going through your day. Because I feel like our bodies, our bodies know sometimes before our minds do. Angie, thank you so much for being here today, being vulnerable, sharing your story. And I hope that many of our listeners go and support Angie, get her new book, really dive into her life story and learn how you can heal yourself as well along the way. Thank you, Aggie. Thank you, Angie, for being here today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, ladies. This was fantastic. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did recording it. If you like our show, please rate us, drop us a review on your favorite streaming app, and we'll catch you on the next episode. This was the Badass Women in Business podcast by Christian Aggie.